Good morning, everyone. And to those who are listening on the podcast with us later, welcome. Uh, Whatever time it is that you might be practicing, I hope that you have found some sort of way to create a little quiet nest for yourself. Even if it's just like a little small thing, like having a little bit less overhead light on or a little bit more quiet in your space so that we can come together for our practice and just take a little moment of respite to just consider, to just think, and to just get closer to our tea. So welcome, thank you so much for joining us today. And so here in um, fast approaching late December, we are exploring the theme of darkness. Uh, the time that we're recording this, the winter solstice is just a few days away, which marks a, a point on the calendar that we observe every year of transitioning fully into the winter season here in the northern hemisphere and um, whether or not we mark some of the holidays that make up the season throughout December there's still something that within us we we feel an energetic shift we feel a pull we feel shifts happening for ourselves internally as well as mentally and so this is a space for us to consider what some of those shifts are that are coming to surface and how we feel about them. So to begin, let's go ahead and just take a moment to get settled in our space. So whatever you need to do to make any adjustments in your environment so that you can feel nice and comfortable. So whether that is getting a blanket, that is adjusting the lighting in your space. That might be getting a couple candles, starting your hot water heating, And think of this as an invitation to ritualize the beginning of the practice so that what you're doing to prepare is not simply, it's not like a chore. It's not a checklist. It is a collection of movement and activities that only mean something when taken together in the context of this practice, in the context of this space that you create for yourself. They have meaning when they come together. And see if that consideration shifts for you at all internally, how you feel about this process of settling, of gathering. That it could be less rushed less feeling that someone's waiting on you or someone's watching to see if you do it correctly because they're not. It's just whatever you need. Whatever helps you feel cozy and comfortable. And once you arrive at that space, once you get to whatever cushion or chair that you are sitting on, just give yourself a moment. Give yourself a moment to maybe sit back a little bit on the sit bones a little slight rocking back and forth until we feel a centered, stable position. And we have our tea bowl and our tea directly in front of us, just waiting, doing their own practice along with us. The tea bowl is practicing being a tea bowl. 
The T is practicing being T. And allow yourself to take some smooth inhales at whatever depth and length feels comfortable for you. Almost like a, a nice morning stretch. And the same for your exhales. Allow them to be as smooth, as noisy, be exhaling through the mouth, as long and as drawn out as feels comfortable for you. Allowing the breath to also be something that marks time before practice and the time that practice begins, that our breathing is invited to grow and to shift during this time together. Before we shift to begin working with our tea, let us give ourselves a really wide range of possibility for what we might be feeling on this particular day. Just what is coming up for you during this season, during this transition? whatever busyness or tug or pull or sense of feeling that our space of time itself is shifted in a way that we weren't prepared for. Just really acknowledging whatever that might be that needs to be heard. Like a clearing almost that you offer to the space. What is it that needs to be heard and acknowledged for you to be able to come to this practice with your tea? Where do you feel heaviness? Where do you feel lightness? And then whenever you're ready, it's preparing to shift in the body, shift in the mind for working with our tea. So picking up whatever tea you have brought with you to your space today, whichever tea spoke to you this morning. And holding it with your hands, just pausing for a moment to observe the moment and action of holding our tea. What it feels like to just rest with it for a moment. As if it was an offering you were about to give, because it actually is. 
bringing this offering to your nose. And allow your own offering, your breath, to mix with the tea, to warm it, to guide it in releasing its fragrance, its own kind of incense, magical way that it changes its world and its environment around it with its beautiful aroma. Much like entering a sacred space where incense might be burning and we feel something in the body. What do you feel in your body when you smell the tea? What does it remind you of? Where does it take you? when you feel ready, go ahead and serve yourself some of this tea. Nice little pinch inside whatever bowl or mug that you might be working with today. However much or however little you feel that you need. From one offering bowl to another. And once again here, just pausing to observe the tea inside the empty bowl. In all of the space and all of the air around it. And all the little pockets of air between each leaf as each one rests on top of the other. Creating different shapes, creating different little mountains and hills and valleys. when you feel ready to move on, making whatever slow movement in your space to get your hot water. And again here to the invitation to go slow, to have the fetching of water itself to be part of the ritual of movement in this space. Enjoying whatever the quality of that movement might be like for you. Maybe it's walking across the floor in sock feet, stepping quietly. Maybe it's just simply turning to the side and picking up a thermos or a kettle that is right next to you. And taking your time when you come back to wherever you're sitting for your practice. Allow yourself to recenter in the body, to feel a sense of grounded, quality with the sit bones, the base of the spine, a sense of poise and readiness. And once you find that stillness again, from this place, we can go ahead and start adding water over our leaves. I'm going really slow, which might mean holding back some of the water in the kettle. You just make a little small stream we can see the light sparkling through and we can observe how it twists and turns 
how the leaves dance and move around in the bowl as we add the water. And just add as much as you feel that you need. It may not be a full bowl of tea, just something that feels like a good cup to start with. And then when you're ready, setting aside your kettle. And then turning your attention to your tea. Depending on where your bowl is positioned for you today, if it's accessible, we can bring the hands to rest alongside the bowl. Perhaps just directly on the table, the palms face up. A symbolic gesture of the tea itself as an offering. So this coming together of water and earth and fire and air. In a bowl that is the giving vessel. And consider what part of this whole process happens without us being able to see it or fully understand it. The whole process of the tea, how it grows, how it's made, how it travels, what it's like to be in the water, to steep and to release. Some of this we know, some of this we see, some of this we learn about. We are told by others. And some of this we don't see. We can only experience in the body. If it feels comfortable, we can lift the bowl, we can bring it to our nose. Practicing breathing deeply here again with our tea. And all of the things that come to mind as we do this. Whatever this particular tea might remind us of, where it might take us, a season of the year, a particular place, a food that we enjoy, a person. We can't see it. but we feel it and we know that it's there. It's not nothing just because we can't see it. And so what is that to consider this part of our relationship with tea? This part that by necessity must be unseen. What is it to sit and to breathe our tea as we consider this for a moment?
And then when it feels like an okay temperature to do so, we can take a sip of our tea. And it might be a small sip. It might be a much larger one, just whatever you need. A little taste of the tea. And just noticing that sensation of warmth, that transition of temperature and feeling and texture in the body. And again, this too, we don't see it. We just feel it. And so giving this a moment to just kind of land intellectually, somatically. And when you feel ready, taking another sip, just kind of moving at your own pace. A taste of tea, a pause to consider. So there is much about this practice that we can formally study. We can learn from others. We can read. But maybe we get the sense here as we commune with our bowl of tea, as we really deeply listen, that there is so much of this that has to be done in the dark that we can't see. And as tea people, we're constantly seeking out new, right? We're always learning about new tea. We're always letting ourselves be taken somewhere. Learning about a new place, experiencing it. So there is a, a very natural curiosity to accumulate, to keep growing. And yet we can never know everything. And so as you sit with this bowl of tea this morning, just slowly sipping at your own pace, consider everything that you do and that you don't know about this particular tea. And does not knowing change anything for you about how it makes you feel in your body? Does it change anything about your ability to have a relationship with this tea? Notice how your breathing shifts and deepens, maybe even slows down as we continue communing with this tea. Letting ourselves and them become more intertwined. The tea itself is more part of you 
What do they teach you silently in this process? And as we notice these shifts in the body, that we can feel more our center of gravity, we can feel more internal sensation, we get a more complete picture of what it is to really feel and to understand this tea, how we would describe it to somebody, what sort of friend it is to us. Let us close with perhaps a radical consideration. When it comes to your relationship with tea, is there a part that you need to have happen in darkness? Is there a part of your connection and understanding and relationship with tea that must be in the dark? If so, what is that? How do you know that it benefits from darkness? How is that consideration either at odds with or in collaboration with your thinking intellectual mind that seeks knowledge? That seeks illumination and clarity? Can they work together or are they at odds for you? Might it seem like we could go so far as to say, I have faith in this tea. In this tea, through interacting with me, I feel that this tea has faith in me.
Thank you, Suze. Mm. I, I'm so grateful to be invited into this conversation about darkness. It has been on my mind over the last several weeks and last several days. And like Sue said, in, in this part of the world, dark is the dominant quality of the 24 hour cycle of day and night. And it will, that will increase, that dominance will increase until we reach the solstice at which we will experience the longest dark in 24 hours. And then it will shrink just a little, just a little until we reach balance for a day in the spring and then reach the opposite end in the next coming summer. Oh, I am um, pricked by the invitations who's offered us to be with the tea and the bowl as they practice being a bowl and they practice being tea and thinking about what it is for us to practice being whatever we think we are. <laughs> I am in a place in life where what I think I am is beginning to feel important and I'm using new labels to describe some of the work that I do in the world or the way I know myself or the way I introduce myself to people. And what it means to practice being those labels is in darkness for me right now and is sort of being revealed by shadow that shifts or a swath of light that falls on a corner or a curve of that. And I wonder about the ways in which you know yourself and the ways in which we know ourselves and how we practice being a whatever. And I think for me, maybe this is also true for you, a lot of that depends on light, whether it's light that you shed yourself or light that someone reflects to you. They say, beloved, you are a professional you are a teacher, you are a healer, you are selfish, you are thoughtless, you are whatever they say. And some of that sticks and you look at yourself or you look in the mirror and you ask if that is who I am. And you ask, how do I practice being or not being that? Maybe not you, maybe that's just me. Maybe you do something very different. <laughs> But the dark takes all of that away, right? If light, if reflection, which depends on light, depends on clarity, depends on insight, is the way in which we begin to see and understand who we are. The, the darkness just takes that away and allows us, requires us to rely on another way of knowing or even to surrender to the reality of not knowing and learning in dark. I am thinking of a retreat I was on with Tracy Stanley and Chanti Takaranti Perez. They are two beloved teachers of mine. And at one point in the night, they bid us go out into the dark and find a place to be where we could not perceive any light and just be in that place for as long as we were able to. And I remember feeling 
dark tangibly, feeling a kind of relationship with the dark, like I was moving into it, even though I was still, and it was moving into me. And I don't mean that to sound philosophical, like the void, you know, they think that thing they say about the void and how you look into the void and the void looks into you. Like, I don't mean that. Although maybe that's what happened, but it was relational. It wasn't, uh, it was, it was penetrative, but it was relational. There were, there was an exchange and a sharing and a mutual presence in a way that that idea has just never really held for me. And I don't know if that's relevant, but it feels resonant, which is why I'm sharing it. Here's why it feels relevant to me. When I think of darkness, I think of an iteration of divinity that is known as the void, that is known as dark without light. And that is good for that. That is, that is good by being known that. And it feels like an invitation to rest, to seek refuge, to retreat, and to soften. Those are some of the words that feel very resonant to me as I reflect on what this season of dark in the sort of Julian calendar that, that my world is obeying and the Christian liturgical calendar that my world is sort of pointing at right now. That like dark is present and there is an invitation in it. There is a relationship in it. And it offers me and, and you too, the opportunity to find a different way to practice being. And being a and being in and being with. I will name that while I don't seek to talk about it, to talk about darkness in a very um, way that is specific to uh, the holiday reality in my world, that if you're interested in hearing me talk about that, there's a place you can go to do it. You can just look, at, look it up on YouTube, actually. Um, but darkness transcends holiday and it transcends religion. It is an element of our existence. Uh, it, is, it is true for us all, whatever we hold sacred, however we make meaning, however we build and hold and share community. Darkness is real and has a part in that, a part to play in that. And we are, we are not just literally in a season of darkness, but I think metaphorically in a season of darkness, which feels different, which feels or could feel threatening, scary, at the very least unknown. Before I joined you this morning, I read a little bit about our pandemic and its current movement and how little is known about its current movement and how many people are working so hard to bring to light and to shed insight on, on its movement, on the movement of this virus through bodies and communities and countries around our world. 
And with all of our science and all of our insight, there are still things that we cannot know. So my invitation to us today is very vague. Because perhaps because it is cloaked in darkness. I think my invitation to each of us, to all of us, is to surrender to the dark and to, to know what is, to, to meet what is there. Not to know, but to meet what is there and to allow for it to change, right? It may be that upon first moment of surrendering to the dark, what is there is anxiety or fear or anger or loneliness. Anxiety and anger are often what meet me in the dark first. But when I stay and I continue to practice being a person in the dark, I can I continue to practice softening and surrendering to the dark. I find that that anxiety and that anger transform and that I am invited, as Sue said, to practice faith. I am invited to practice rest. I am invited to practice curiosity and relationship. So my invitation is, is to allow us to surrender to the dark, to meet what arises, and to stay with it and practice being with it. May we, may we meet that within ourselves which cannot be seen. May we come to know that which in our that within ourselves which can only be known in the dark. And may we work cooperatively with it, with us, with the dark, in a way that is healing and of benefit for ourselves and for all beings. If you are interested in more of my work and would like to hear or see uh, what's on my mind, you can find me at adevotedyogi.com. You can also find me on Instagram. I am currently serving as the seminarian at Old South Church in Boston, and they, in their wisdom, confusion, have seen fit to allow me to preach on more than one occasion in that space. And so if you do a YouTube search for Old South Church in Boston uh, jazz service. You can often see some of the offerings that I've made there as well. Uh, it's been my great abiding pleasure to be with you and with Adam and Suze in this space. I am among family here. So thank you for 
being with me and thank you for letting me be with you. And you can reach me at beingtea.com, also on Instagram at beingtea, where I'm just doing more of what I'm doing here. <laughs> more tea stuff. All tea stuff, all the time. <laughs> and for our, our lovely podcast friends, just a reminder that uh, Teen Contemplation is held live every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Central Time. And part of the nice little benefit of attending live is that we have this... Um, Aside from just the visual of being able to see each other, which is pretty great, uh, we have this community sharing circle that happens after the recording is ended, where we um, can share in any way that works for us how we are digesting the experience of this work together. Um, and Adam and I think it's actually part of, like, one of the best parts of this whole series is uh, <laughs> being able to sit in community with others. Absolutely. So you're welcome to uh, learn more about how to join us live in the show notes. Just visit the little link for Teen Contemplation. And we hope to see you again sometime soon. <laughs>